Hello there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, here, as always, with Father Shannon Bokeh. Tad, as always, a great joy to be with you, and today discussing more things that are affecting life and family, so it's a great great joy. Yes, of course, Father, and um, today we're discussing uh, some of these uh, in, in recent uh, months, and, and really especially in the last several weeks after the overturning of Roe v. Wade definitively by the Supreme Court, um, we're hearing a lot of um, a resurgence of arguments that had sort of um, fallen on the back burner um, after abortion basically became kind of accepted, uh, at least legally speaking, um, throughout the United States. And one of those is the the question of the hard cases, and specifically the the the, the hard case of so-called uh, abortion in the case of the mother's health, um, or for the life of the mother, uh, things like this. Even a lot of pro-life legislation in the past. A uh, few decades has always included some kind of caveat about exceptions for the life of the mother's health, um, and that's because of due to a misunderstanding, um, basically caused by a, a PR fabrication that the original abortion uh, advocates kind of invented in order to have a better public uh, image uh, for, for, for abortion and, and being able to completely legalize it across the board. So if you want to discuss uh, with us, Father, why um, these claims are unfounded from a medical perspective and then where sort of the, what the history of this kind of idea of abortion for the health of the mother um, being necessary in some cases sure. comes well, from. Well, Ted, that's, I mean, you, it's a very good introduction you know, that you, you, you gave for us to really just ponder just the, the various points uh, that we, we can address, at least or try to address today in our time. You know, the first thing, you know, for us to look at is, uh, you know, we, with, with the overturning of Roe and, and Casey, you know, we should expect that those who are advocates for abortion are, are going to continue to push their agenda forward. They're going to try any means possible to continue what they have become accustomed to over the last 50 years here in the United States. And, and so, you know, uh, ginning up uh, propaganda and, and support for their cause uh, has always worked for them with regard to bringing up hard cases. Now, what do I mean by a hard case? And we'll, maybe we'll bring up a couple of examples later on. But, you know, for example, if we, if we have a situation where uh, a mother, uh, let's say that she's diagnosed with uh, uterine cancer, so, and she's very early in her pregnancy, or the, the baby may not be uh, anywhere near viability. So, you know, what do we do in these situations of a moral dilemma? So with, in, in their situation, you know, as, we, uh, as you said, you know, they bring these up to, to gin up support that, you know, we, in this case, we need abortion. Well, abortion is never the answer, Tad. It's never uh, the, the response to these situations. And this is what is so beautiful about uh, Catholic moral teaching, uh, that the, the Church provides us a path forward in how to address these moral dilemmas. And that's what we're talking about right now, you know, in the case I just gave. You know, what is our response to such a situation? We'll, we'll maybe talk about that in a little more detail. Uh, but obviously, you know, pro-abortion advocates want to uh, present cases like this, you know, so that they can uh, get the support they want from the general public. Yeah, we, we, well, the, the life of the mother is at risk here. We, we, we need abortion to answer this. Well, this is uh, in my article that I just recently uh, wrote. Uh, I'm going to pick it up so I can read uh, a quote from a, a Dr. Sloan, uh, Don Sloan. 
And in here, it's it's a longer quote, and people can look at the link if they if they're interested. But he says, you know, and medical technology has advanced to a point. Now, this is a, a person who's an advocate for abortion, but saying very clearly, abortion is not necessary. So in this quote, he's making reference like heart disease, diabetes, and he says, so when a, a woman is pregnant and you know is dealing with these medical difficulties, uh, obviously the uh, the pro-abortion advocate would say, oh, see, we need abortion because you know it's her life will be in grave danger if she remains pregnant and if she tries to give birth, it will it can cause her great harm. And so what does Dr. Sloan say? He says. And medical technology has advanced to a point where even women with diabetes, kidney disease, can be seen through a pregnancy safely by a doctor who knows what he's doing. We've come a long way since my mother's time. So he's making reference, you know, to some of the the medical technology. Not that there's ever, ever, uh, you know, a reason for abortion. Abortion is never a viable option, should never be considered as an option. And abortion is not a medical uh, a treatment. All right. So the idea here is what he's referencing is at the time, science and technology, medical technology may not have been as advanced as it is today to address these particular needs. And he goes on, the idea of abortion to save the mother's life is something that people cling to because it sounds noble and pure. But medically speaking, it's probably it probably doesn't exist. It's a real stretch of our thinking. So this is an, an advocate, an abortionist, who is acknowledging that you know that abortion is is not the answer here? So, uh, so I think it's important for us to look at this, and to say, how do we respond? So, what is our response, you know, to people uh, who may be facing these kinds of moral dilemmas, where uh, they're uh, they're pregnant, they have a medical situation that they have been made aware of by their doctor? So, what is the response? So, we can talk more about that, Tad, in a, in a few moments. But you know, I think it's important. To see that you know we what we've seen over in the last 50 years is sadly, as you mentioned, legislation that's been advanced. You know, you know, in the case of the uh, mother's health, abortion is permissible, and of course, we have been saying it's never the 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 path forward, and abortion should never be considered the option uh, in, in in situations like this. And so, we are dealing with two lives two equally valuable lives: the life of the mother and the life of the of the unborn child, and we should treat both individuals. And where we can, we should strive to do so in a sense of we should look at the life of both and serve the life of both. And we should never value one over the other. And so what we see, sadly, in the pro-abortion rhetoric is that they're placing a greater value on the life of the mother and not addressing, you know, the fact that there is another life, a life that began at the moment of conception and that should be treated equally with the same dignity and the same concern, and that if we're going to address an issue that the mother may be dealing with, like I mentioned earlier, with, let's say, a diagnosis of uterine cancer, that, you know, which is is a horrible situation for a mother to be facing, not only for her own health in a sense of the cancer, but the life of her child. And, and so both are in grave danger here, and, it, and it's a difficult situation. But the church, in her moral teaching, you know, places before us, you know, principles that we can follow and that we can address the situation that is before us, the moral dilemma. And, and so uh, this is what, again, what is so beautiful about our church 
in that in these moments, the church does help us. It, uh, she does guide us, and she provides moral principles that are based in her tradition in centuries of, of, of moral teaching that, uh, that guide us in such moments. And so I, I, it's important. I would just want to point out just in kind of today I came with a little show and tell, because uh, and, and, much of our audience may not be aware of some of the documents that uh, guide us in our Catholic principles, especially in our Catholic hospitals and Catholic institutions that serve you know, health care. And that are, is the ethical and religious directives for Catholic health care services. And so I, I point this out so that our audience can see them. And, and, and here I have a little a bookmark, Ted, that really deals with um, part four, which is issues in care for the beginning of life. And in my column, I actually quote from some of these paragraphs, you know, to highlight, you know, for example, uh, abortion is never permitted. This is principle number 45. Every procedure whose sole immediate effect is the termination of pregnancy before viability is an abortion, which is never permissible, uh, which, is immor- uh, which in its moral context ex- includes, and then it just goes on. And it also says that Catholic uh, health care providers should be ready to offer compassion, physical, psychological, moral, and spiritual care to those persons who are dealing with these difficult situations. But in this case, uh, uh, 46 is dealing with those, you know, who have suffered from uh, an abortion. So the, the principles are dealing with, again, how we approach these various moments of life and how we approach those that may have already made a decision in the past and now struggling, you know, with the difficulties of the after uh, dis- after that decision. So, I, again, I just say that it's important for us to be familiar, especially our nurses, our doctors, those serving in medical health care, which is a vocation. We're serving human persons. And in this case, Ted, you know, which are sadly our brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle who are advocating for legal abortion, abortion, uh, you know, really sadly do not see the value, equal value of both mother and child. And so they see one, you know, sadly as a threat versus the fact that both should be treated and seen for their value as with human dignity and that both should be served. So I think that's our challenge going forward, Tad, is not to, is to not be afraid of addressing the situation, not being afraid to talk about those cases and being able to answer how the church responds and how the church guides us. So I say that in one other, uh, not a little book, uh, but a larger text, uh, which again would be great for our healthcare workers. Uh, and, and this is a, a book called Catholic Healthcare Ethics, a manual for, for practitioners. This is the third edition. If you could hold I'll, that I'll up, hold it up yeah. for you. And, uh, and it's, it's a wonderful, it's a very large text, but it's one that, you know, in, in studying bioethics that, you know, I, I was given uh, in my studies, and it was a, a great blessing, a great resource, a number of great articles in here that will help guide people who are in the healthcare vocation and how to not only know the Catholic principles, but then how to, to, to interpret them, but also how to advance them. So this would be a, a very good uh, text. But I would say that to, to anyone interested in these kinds of questions, because by understanding what the church teaches and what the church advances helps us to respond, you know, to uh, what our brothers and sisters advocating for abortion or attempting to, to advance and how to, to diminish their influence. 
by being able to answer their questions, or at least be able to show people that abortion is never an answer, nor is it ever permissible, nor should it ever be the path of which we take, you know, in responding to medical dilemmas or ethical dilemmas. And so um, I'm looking forward to talking a little bit more about that, Ted. Sure. Well, of course, Father, now you kind of addressed a lot of the, the basic issues uh, in this topic. And I think it's important to note that um, there's a, a distinction here, but it's both both elements are quite important. But there's a distinction because we talk about how, um, uh, you know, from a, from a moral standpoint, abortion is quite obviously um, impermissible. It's, it's right. intrinsically evil. Right. And right. this is this is. Uh, um, based on the natural law, uh, natural moral law, uh, and something that Catholic doctrine uh, promulgates and promotes. Um, and th- and that's an element of, of falsehood in, in the pro-abortion position that needs to be addressed. But there's also this other position, which, um, you know, we're, we're addressing in this whole um, question here of abortion and the, for, and the health of the mother, um, that, that abortion is necessary... Um, uh, in some cases, this is a lie. Uh, this is a, a sort of a, a pro-abortion uh, propaganda intended to um, essentially open up possibilities where right. all kinds of uh, uses of the term health, and this actually comes from the Supreme Court case released alongside um, Roe v. Wade, which was Doe v. Bolton, right. um, that defined health as affecting all sorts of things. Um, in such a manner that physicians and other healthcare providers can kind of create all kinds of excuses uh, for for abortion, even when there is a pro life law that includes that clause for the health uh, exception for the health of the mother. Um, and we and we did address that uh, abortionist uh, whom you quoted, who 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 was. And, and there are many other quotes from many other abortionists who are pro-abortion and are not in any way pro-life or had some kind of conversion. They were stalwart abortionists who basically said, uh, yeah, this is, this is kind of a fabrication. This is political rhetoric that abortion is necessary right. for uh, life-saving as life-saving medicine. It's not. It's um, rather... Uh, lifestyle saving medicine they wouldn't say that but right. but that is something that we're that's how we are um right. kind of and, and if the argument works for them revealing. that's why they you know they continue to be able to find inroads mm-hmm. you know because they they found people who are willing to to listen and willing to uh to accept their their position but it's what is what is good as as you just articulated is that to have you know even those who are advocating for abortion in in, in the medical uh, vocation uh, which I would say they have lost sight of because a vocation serves human life. It's to be at the service of life, not to take life. Uh, and so it's uh, it's unfortunate, you know, that that is out, out there. But to have these same individuals, you know, admit that abortion is is not medically necessary uh, is important for us because it, it, it confronts that false agenda, that false rhetoric, that false narrative. Uh, but the reason why you know the narrative uh, finds its way forward is because it's readily accepted, supported by the main media, uh, and uh, and it, it finds a root. And so that's why I think it's important as we're doing today, and so many others in our great cause for life have been addressing and and, and people been you know exposing that great lie. So kind of what we're doing today is picking that story back up again, because right now since the overturning of Roe, this is what the media has picked up. This is what uh, people are given an opportunity to advance this false narrative still. 
And so, you know, and I think what's important, you know, I was in here uh, in my my column, I said, you know, it's true that pregnancy, there are complications. And I make a quote of a couple of them. You know, you have gesta- gestational diabetes, you have uh, preeclampsia, you have problems with the placenta. I mean, there are you know, medical uh, situations that arise. Or ectopic pregnancy. Or an ectopic pregnancy, or the one I used earlier where you might have a, a mother who is diagnosed with uterine cancer. And, 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 and so what do we do? How do we respond? And so, uh, so it's not that we're, we're denying by any means that there are situations that arise, what we call a moral dilemma. And so, uh, but how do we serve the good of human life? How do we advance human life? And the very fact that, Ted, abortion is never an option, ever. So we, 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 we must make that very, very clear in how we address these kinds of cases. And so, but we're, play, we're, we're facing, uh, you know, two situations. And how do we, we serve uh, the good, the good of life, uh, both the good of the life of the mother and the good that is the life of the child? And in some situations, you know, um, that in the service of life, you know, decisions need to be made uh, in the promotion of life. And so how do we how do we do that? And I think that's what we're going to talk about. Absolutely, Father, because um, we now come to the uh, the wonderful uh, study of uh, Catholic moral theology, which is uh extremely complicated, uh, ever, ever more complicated subject as technology has advanced uh, and different kinds of medical operations are possible. Which is brought um, about the study of bioethics. The study of and bioethics, so, right. right. And um, we, th- it's a common misconception among Catholics that there is an that Catholicism makes an exception to the case of abortion when the life of the mother is in danger. That is not the case. It is never permissible to directly and intentionally kill an uh, the forming human being uh, in the mother's womb, however, or anywhere. <laughs> uh, right. But um, there are cases where certain operations intended to save the life of the mother inevitably result in the death of a child, but were not performed in such a way that the actual uh, intention of the operation was killing a child, like in the case of an ectopic pregnancy, we can remove the bit of the, the, the case that is, the tissue that is pathological is the um, portion of the fallopian tube in which the uh, embryonic None. child is lodged, right. Right? right? And so we are, but it's not the child itself, right? So we are removing, we, the one a medical treatment is to remove that portion of the fallopian tube, which inevitably kills the child because there's no way to reinsert the child into the regular uh, portion of the, well, the, the uterus, the, the womb, um, at this time. Right, so why don't, we, why don't we maybe present the principles and sure. maybe we, we can kind of go through that process. This is an example exactly. of the case of the principle exactly. of double effect exactly. being applied to this, and you can go ahead right. and explain so that. So what I did is I brought some materials because, again, because, you know, making sure that we understand them in order then to apply them. Mm-hmm. And, and and because we're this is such an important subject, I want to make sure, you know, that uh, one, I'm explaining it, you know, in in a way that's uh, one clear, but also just presenting those principles clearly for us to understand. So, uh, so I brought a couple. So uh, I'm pulling from the Catholic healthcare ethics. In this case, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Furton, Edward Furton, in one of the articles in the book, where he just says, you know, may, what may one perform is a question. May one perform an action which is intended to achieve a good effect, if it is foreseen that an evil effect will also result, and that's. 
in a sense, Tad, what you just gave as an example when we're dealing with an ectopic pregnancy. And I'll go back to my original example when we're dealing with an issue like a, a mother that's diagnosed with uterine cancer. So, and, but I'm just even stepping away from uh, the health of the mother, okay? Let's just kind of look at the fact I could be diagnosed uh, because of a, 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 a diabetes and because of maybe a lack of care on my part, not following my doctor's guidance. You know, there may come a part where, you know, there, I may have to have to have my leg amputated, you know, because of, you know, damage. And why? So what happens here? So obviously my integrity of being able to walk, my ability to, to move about uh, is very important to my health and my well-being. But if I don't do something with my, my leg that has become very sick and in, in, in a sense of a pathology, if I don't, then I'll lose my life. I will die because of, of what's happening. So in this situation, you know, there is a good here. My life is a good. The health of my life, living is a good. And so, but in order, you know, to, to reach that good, to serve that good, there's something that has to occur. And that, the bad effect is I would lose my leg. So I lose my partial my ability in some manner to to walk as i normally can with both of my legs and so that's an example again here so the intention is not you know to to maim me the intention is not to cause harm to me the intention is not to to cause a handicap but to address the pathology which if unaddressed will ultimately cost me my life so let's kind of now move that so i'm going to you know do with the principles so so here you know the principle of double effect effects governs situations in which one action is followed by two effects. So we just made it. The good effect, which is intended, so the doctor is addressing the pathology that is my, my leg, that is sick in, in a sense of uh, uh, in, in a bad situation, needs to be amputated. And the other, which is foreseen, but it's not intended. So the doctor is not trying to, as I said, to cause me harm. He's not trying to maim me, make me uh, handicapped in any way. He's attempting to save my life. He's attempting to keep me healthy and to serve a good. So this is what the principle is dealing with. So I'm going to read the principles. So I apologize in the sense of the detail, but I think it's so important, Tad. So first of all, you know, the moral principle of, of double effect. So the act itself must be good. So you mentioned earlier, abortion is an intrinsic evil. So it's, it's, it's bad in and of itself. It's an evil and it can never be chosen. So I cannot choose that an evil and then try to redefine it as something good. Abortion is an intrinsic evil and can never be uh, permitted. So the direct taking of, of, of an unborn life is never permissible. So this is very important. So the in second principle, intend only the good effect. So as I just noted here, so just using the issue of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, uh, my leg being very in, in, a, in a bad manner, and it's, it's a pathology, it's, it's unhealthy, it needs to be addressed. So, but the intended intention here of the doctor is my health, my well-being, and the, the foreseen effect is I will only have use of one leg. And I may even have complications because of the amputation uh, that will still need to be addressed, some difficulties, healing, and so forth. But again, that's the foreseen. It's the, it's the bad effect that is caused by serving the good. And so the good, third principle, the good has to come about of its own and, and, and has to precede you know, the evil effect. And so here, you can't do evil to achieve a good. So just kind of very important here. So the good has to come about on its own. 
So, so here, so many times, you know, you hear people back to the idea that, you know, we have the, the health of the mother uh, in the situation, again, let's use the example of the, of the cancerous womb, uh, uterus, and so, uh, so we must have an abortion in order, you know, to, uh, to choose an abortion in order to save the life of the mother. No, you cannot choose that which is evil in order to bring about a good. We've seen this sadly in our human history where many people have done very evil things in order to quote unquote bring about some type of good. We can never choose that. The fourth, it must be a proportionally grave reason to do so. So keeping those four principles in mind, an act itself must be good, the intent only the good effect. Thirdly, the good has to come about on its own and has to precede the evil effect. And fourthly, it must be a proportionally grave reason to do so. So in the situation of, let's just say back to the, the cancerous uterus. So the life of the mother and the child are of equal value. So there is no arbitrary approach to this. Both must be served. That has to be the beginning. And the intention here is serving both. But in serving both, we realize that there is a foreseen uh, effect that is going to happen. Because if we don't do anything, you know, the mother and the child will die. So this is a dilemma. So how do we address it? We use the moral principle of double effect to address it. So the uterus of removing the, the, it's the pathology. The child is not the pathology. The child should never be the intention. The pathology is the uterus, is the cancerous uterus. And if unaddressed, then mother and child will die. So that's, so all we want to do is remove the pathology only. So we're intending the good, though we have a foreseen. So the death of the child is not what brings about the good. It's very important here. So it's the removal of the cancerous uterus that brings about the good. And the foreseen effect is the fact that the child cannot survive. Now, but let's back up for just for a few moments. Because both are of equal value and must be served, in the principles that I uh, hear in the ethical and religious directives that I pointed out earlier, if you get into part four, it explains. So, for example, you know, I'm going to uh, pull the quote. You know, operations, this is number 47, operations, treatments, and medications that have as their direct purpose to cure the cure of a proportionately serious pathological condition of a pregnant woman are permitted when they cannot be safely postponed until the unborn child is viable. So the, one of the questions that would need to be asked before we, we move in any direction is, can we move to a point where the, the, the infant child can reach viability? And so where the child can live outside the womb. So we're serving, again, we're serving both lives. And so if we're in that situation and we can do this, we must strive you know, to move in that direction because both lives are of importance and must be served. So we don't place a value higher on one or the other. And sadly, the rhetoric we were talking about earlier obviously has no concern, you know, for the life of the child and approaches the conversation that only the health of the mother is to be served. This is not proper moral teaching and, and, and the proper application of respecting human life. Both lives, Tad, must be served. But the church makes it clear that, you know, there are ways in which we can approach this. The first is, can we reach a level of viability? And if, if we're near or, and are very close or we already have moved, you know, where the child can survive, 
you know, maybe, not maybe, the decision is to serve the life of both, and we can deliver the child earlier and then serve the life of both child and his mother and mother and child in the situation. And so these are the principles that are there. But let's go back and say now that we're dealing with a child that is not viable and that we're very far away from reaching that viability and that we're, again, dealing with a situation that is very much life-threatening to both mother and child. And so before and, the point of viability could be reached. Exactly. So what do we do? So let's go back to my example of the uh, cancerous uterus. So here we have a pathology. It's the uterus, the cancer, that is the pathology. And so applying the principle of double effect, the first is the act itself must be good. Removing the cancer, you know, is a good. Why? Because cancer kills. And if left un, un, unattended, it will kill the mother and the child. So not to address it, obviously, causes great, that is the harm, all right? The second thing is, you know, if we uh, foresee, even though we foresee, you know, the bad effect, okay, it's not the intention. So we're not directing the act at the child. That would be a direct abortion. We cannot do that. It is never permissible. But the act of removing the, the cancerous uterus has a foreseen effect, what we call a bad effect. The child who is not in a viable situation cannot survive outside the womb. So we foresee the death of the child, but it's not the intention. Third, the good of removing the cancerous uterus is not brought about by the death of the child. What brings about the good uh, is, that, is the removal itself of the cancerous uterus. This is what is helps the mother to be able, the woman, to survive, all right? So it's not the death of the child that brings about the good. It's the removal of the cancerous uterus. So, so this, this, the intention and the act that is chosen, which is the first and second principle, is very, very important. And then fourthly, proportional grave reason. We're dealing with two lives. So there is a grave reason here to, to address this. Uh, and, so, and so that is what moves us to this, this, this decision-making, this ethical decision that must be done. So it's important as whether we're talking about, as you brought up an example, Tad, about an ectopic pregnancy, we could be dealing with other medical situations that occur, you know, a part of, in, in our daily lives that bring us into these kinds of, of situations. And what's so beautiful about our Catholic teaching is that it, it provides a path forward in dealing with these ethical dilemmas, which happen every day around our world. And what's so beautiful is that the church guides us in these moral decisions, helps us to always maintain the good and seek the good, intend the good, want the good, and serve human life. You know, we should never, ever intend the death of another human being in order to obtain a good. And so it is a tragic situation when a mother and child are placed in this situation and both lives are, are, need to be served and are to be loved and are to be respected and they should be defended. And, and these kinds of decisions, that's why the fourth principle is so important, Ted, a grave reason. It needs to be proportionate. And so that, you know, if, um, if we can avoid this situation by, for example, if a child is nearing viability, can we can we serve? Uh, can we prov uh, provide medical care that can move us to that moment where we can mitigate the aggression? Let's say again, back of the cancerous uh, uh, uterus. Is there a way to to get us closer to that viability so that the life of the child can be served 
and and be able to to allow the child to be able to live and and so we need to do that and you know and then at the same time i think of saint gianna mola you know which is i talk about in the column you know who herself a medical doctor pregnant diagnosed you know with 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 cancer and so but makes a decision moving toward viability and of course in that time viability was a you know obviously much further down than it is today because of our advances in medical technology and science and so but that was a, the decision she made and 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 so she she mitigated by taking medication that would not cause harm to her unborn child and at the same time try to to slow down the aggression and then once the baby was born and then she would decide to take the treatment. And of course, in that, in that particular situation, uh, the treatment uh, uh, did not help her. But, but what Gianna did was she served her life and she served the life of her child. She loved her life and loved the life of her child. And this is how we should approach this. That's why the, the, the narrative of these, these so-called hard cases you know, is false. It really is false. Abortion is not a medical treatment. It doesn't change the situation. For example, if we abort the baby with a, with, in, because of a, a cancerous uterus, that, if that is the intention, it doesn't change the result of the cancerous uterus. You know, So it's the uterus that is the problem. It is the cancer that is the issue, I should say. That is what is the pathology, not the baby, not the unborn child. And so it's the same thing dealing with an ectopic pregnancy, and then we can apply it to other things. And in, in, in very similar, you know, to, as I mentioned earlier, using the example of a, a very severe case of diabetes that's caused grave damage to my, to my leg, that causing uh, uh, the, the decision to address it by removing my leg, which now, you know, impairs me. But that was never the intention. So those principles, Tad, are very important. And we could go through a litany of examples here. But what's, what's good about this, and I would say this to all of our listeners, you know, because every day around the world, you know, we face these kinds of dilemmas. I was just recently uh, in Puerto Rico, you know, for uh, the Catholic Daughters of the Americas Convention. Uh, and, you know, we had, uh, sadly, uh, three uh, of the uh, delegates in the convention uh, suffer some grave medical problems. Uh, one died today, actually, and the family reached out and uh, asked questions, you know, about the situation and, you know, what could they do? What was ethically permissible? What were the moral, you know, uh, uh, principles to help guide them, uh, in, you know, in the decision, you know, of health care? You know, what, what, because they want to follow the good. They want to do what is good for their, for their, for their loved one. And, but realizing that, you know, medical, the medical situation is very dire and very little that medical science can now do for the, for, for their loved one. But at the same time, they don't want to uh, do something that would cause harm, that was immoral, and or not and not morally permissible. So, so we face these kinds of questions, not just with uh, with with our our, our brother, sisters who are with child, but across serving human life. So that's what's beautiful about these principles; they apply, you know, and they and they help us. So I'm hoping you know that our conversation today, in some way, you know, provides some guidance. But you know, because we've such limited time and and not being able to go through more examples, but the ethical and religious directives that is 
published by the United Catholic Conference of Catholic Bishops here, uh, United States Catholic Conference of Bishops in the United States, um, and also, you know, the Catholic medical ethic, uh, care ethics uh, that I showed earlier. I'll just show it again, you know, just to, you know, it's, it's very, very, very good. I'm trying to put it in the camera so that you can see it. Uh, but there are many other texts out there. And I would also, you know, just say that, you know, we ourselves here at Human Life International, you know, rely upon others who are uh, dealing with these issues daily. And one of those groups that we work with very closely is the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And I mention them by name because uh, they have a wonderful 24-hour uh, uh, hotline, if you will, to help people in these kinds of decision making. And I say that because that's a great resource, because when we're facing these kinds of moments, it's nice to be able to turn, you know, towards those that we can trust and guide us in these moral decisions. So that's an example, you know, that I would say, and, and I do, I, I uh, rely upon uh, much of their, their work uh, in guiding, you know, and helping explain, you know, the church's teaching in this regard. So uh, I'm hoping that's a little helpful today, Tad. Uh, the article will have some links and um, provide a little more discussion. Uh, but then I'm hoping that, you know, our audience will go back and read that column. No, absolutely, Father. I mean, it's ex it's an extremely complicated issue, the question of uh, the principle of double effect, just within uh, general moral theology, because actually right. the same principle applies in the case, cases that have nothing to do with uh, abortion, et cetera, exactly. like in the case exactly. of self-defense and things of that nature. But in particular, in these medical questions, when uh, Cap medical capabilities are constantly evolving, et cetera. Um, it, it makes things uh, very complicated because, for example, if there was a way to preserve the life of a child, uh, you know, who was in in an embryonic form still, uh, but it was in an ectopic pregnancy, then that that uh, action would be the the action to take uh, rather than anything that would result in the death of the child. Exactly, and I would say, Ted, as medical science advances, this is the good. You know, mm -hmm. of, of medical science. You know, there is much good. And at the same time, uh, there uh, can be much bad that is done if we misuse our gifts and, and misalign our intentions and directions of our, of our skills. You know, our doctors are the service of life. That's why we, we refer to it as a medical vocation, mm -hmm. the serve human flourishing. And it's tragic when our, when our doctors and, and those in healthcare, you know, are not serving life and uh, instead advocating, you know, for abortion and other, you know, practices that are immoral. And so, uh, so it's important for us, uh, you know, to look at that. And, and it does, it applies in many other manners. So uh, thank you for saying that. I think it's good to, for all of us to be reminded of that. And absolutely, uh, Father, because the other, the other element of this is that the principle of double effect is, is a moral uh, 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 method of determining the, you know, minimal permissible action. Some people kind of misinterpret it as uh, this is how you determine the right course of action. Right. It's not necessarily the case. It's it's what is what is uh, the the boundary line of what's permissible, right? And Correct. this this applies to questions of um, all kinds of questions, vaccine ethics or self defense, etc. Exactly. But there, you know, that you mentioned the case of Gianna Baratamola. Right. She performed an action that was um, a little more within, you know, a little fur closer from that boundary. I guess uh, you should say further back from that right. that liminal boundary. Um, and so th there's lots of options that uh, take things into account. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would just say you, I'm right. thinking, you know, uh, of uh, you know other example of which we won't have time to go into. But let's say that you know the, we're we're on a boat, you know, with five other friends, and we're out fishing, mm. and something happens. The boat is sinking. You know, 
uh, I can, how do I, I, I everyone's, uh, I'm, I'm the best swimmer and everyone is having difficulty. They're, they say they're drowning, but I can't save all, 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 all seven, you know, so how does this principle also help in those kinds of situations, you know, because everyone's life there is of equal value, you know, how do I choose? So it, it, I think it's very important that we, we see how the, the, the church's Catholic principles and moral teaching affect us on every every part of our life. And if we if we learn them and we apply them properly, they do give us guidance. I mean, they do help us, you know, to, to help us in these kinds of ethical dilemmas and moral dilemmas that we face. And sometimes people face them more often than others. You know, uh, firemen going into to burning buildings, you know, uh, doctors, you know, in situations of, uh, of of life and death, you know. And like I said, you know, uh, the doctor went in to do some type of work on my leg to save my leg, but in the middle of the surgery, can't do it, you know. So what does he do? How does he address it? You know, and so these are things that we, we should talk more about. And that's, I think, that was the whole purpose of the column, was not only to talk about the 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 narrative of our the pro-abortion agenda, but again, it gave us a chance to have that we're doing right now, and that is to show how it's applicable to so many other areas of human life, and sadly, so many of our of our our Catholic brothers and sisters, and so many of those in the Christian faith, are unfamiliar with the moral principle of double effect, or unfamiliar with the the Catholic principles that we're we're, we're advocating for here in, here right now. But if we talk about them and we catechize and we help form then people are better prepared in how to deal with these kinds of cases, you know, even toward the end of life. I mean, when we move toward, you know, our uh, uh, illness, uh, uh, growing up in older in age and facing, you know, decision-makings at those stages, you know, uh, like the person I mentioned in Puerto Rico, you know, who had a massive stroke and, you know, and everything was, you know, the brain itself was, you know, uh, uh, was very severely damaged. Uh, you know, so many things were happening and the body was starting to shut down and things. So what, what, do, what do we do? How do we approach it? And in that situation, there were a number of priests, you know, who were there and they were able to reach out and say, you know, can you give me some guidance? Uh, sadly, many times our people don't have access you know, to our priest uh, in those situations. And that's why, again, working with doctors and working with nurses and those in the healthcare profession and, and obviously every level uh, of, of our those serving human persons, if we can help educate and form and then expose the false narrative and say, that's not true. That is not that does not have to be the answer. And that is not the case. Then we're able to then to serve life. And in, in, in this case, as we talked today, both lives, the unborn child, pardon me, the unborn child and the mother. But, you know, it, but those, that's why HLI takes such a strong interest in this and, and educating, you know, those who serve other people. Because the more that we are aware of it, then the better our ethical decisions will be and we can then serve life and love life. And that's, that's what this is about, you know. Absolutely, Father. And um, to that end, the, some of the materials you've mentioned, we'll, we'll provide links to really? because the church... Uh, offers, you know, the ethical and religious directives, uh, as well as the um, uh, various Vatican documents on, on right. uh, different specific cases of applying this principle, whether exactly. it's uh, the case of um, the so-called abortion uh, for the health of the mother and uh, other other instances of, of this principle 
principles application. So with that in mind, Father, I think um, we're, we've pretty much uh, <laughs> discussed this topic, this very complicated topic as best as we can. And just as a final note, kind of a summary for, for our folks at home that maybe we can um, mention that abortion um, is touted often as necessary for, in some cases, for to save the health of the mother. In other words, saying that abortion is a medical treatment, at least in those cases, right. and is the only option. And what we're saying is that um, in almost every case, it has no relevance whatsoever to directly abort the child. And even if that were an option such that it is um, going to provide the benefit of the mother's health, there are also other options. In other words, it's never necessary to directly abort the child. And, and, just, and never never permissible right. and never necessary. Right. Exactly. So I think it's important to start with that those latter points. Mm -hmm. Never permissible, n never something that can be chosen. Never morally permissible, never uh, morally able to be chosen, and not even ever medically necessary. Exactly. And that's the whole point of what the article was, because I think that's how the other side gins up their 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 advocacy, if you will, mm -hmm. because they use these very difficult cases as leverage. But we all know that, the, that as you just said, that it's false. You know, there are real cases. We, we've talked mm -hmm. about some of them. There are real cases. There are real issues. But abortion is never the answer. It's not a medical treatment. And I think we just need to continue to, 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 to reject their agenda and be bold enough to say it's an outward lie. It's deceptive. It's, and that's why Dr. Sloan, you know, as I quoted and others I mentioned in the article, make it clear. And these are people that advocate for, advocate for abortion. So they know that it's not true. So the response to this is by using the case that we talked about, to a couple of the examples, is a way to address it. And by understanding the Catholic Church's moral principles, we're able to address these moral dilemmas, which do happen. None of us here are denying that there are not hard cases. Now, in our definition of hard case is there are medical realities that occur. The Church does not deny them. All right, and, and, and just pretend they don't exist. Of course, they exist. I, we, we talked about them, but. Abortion is never, ever a viable option. The direct taking of an innocent human life is never permissible. And abortion is the direct intention of taking a human life. Can't do it. And so, so what is our response? And, that, and that's why when people say, well, then what do I do? We have to be prepared to answer that question. And I'm hoping that today, you know, that we've done a, a fair job of helping people to be able to answer such questions. And, and, and to direct them in a way that can point them to find the resources they need uh, to be able to get that. Because obviously, they're not always going to have someone like you, Tad, or someone like me, or always someone like the National Catholic Bioethics Center at, at a hand's grasp to be able to answer. That means we have to be educated. We have to be formed, which is what we're doing today. And, and, and the more that we're knowledgeable of what the church authentically teaches, we can bring down the false narrative. And we can address it and not be afraid of it. So, I mean, if, so if tomorrow you were called, Tad, to Fox News and they had a hard case for you, so to speak, hard case, no doubt you would be able to answer their, 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 their situation because you're familiar and knowledgeable and comfortable in the church's teaching and can articulate it. So that narrative comes down. And so that's what we'd have to do. And I'm so grateful for those that are in those situations who are given those opportunities. The more that we do it, the less opportunity. Now, I will close with this. My comment would be, let's get back to the, to the abortion uh, a debate. So now that it's been thrown back to the states, 
this is where we got to take this argument because that's why they're raising it again. You know, because they're raising many cases, and we know that the the media uh, is not on our side, Ted. They're they're on the the advocating side of abortion, so we know where they're at. So we're not going to. So they're going to continue to raise these cases, and they're going to put them out there as if they're objectively true. And you know, and and so we so we're not being able to. We got we got to get out there. We have to inform people that th- that this is not the answer. And so on the state level, we need to make sure that we help our lobbyists, our legislators educate people on the ground about these issues. So this is where we got to step forward. And we need to write articles to the editor. Reject, if something's put out there, get out there and write about it. You know, respectfully, always. But we need to not be afraid. We, we have a, a, an answer. We know the ethical means forward. We have the proper means and tools given to us through the moral principle of double effect and other principles of Catholic teaching uh, that can guide us. And not just for Catholics. I mean, these moral principles have been with us for centuries. And as you said in the very beginning, the whole princi- the natural law. So we, we, we know what we can draw upon. Let's get out there. Let's, let's take, take it to them. You know, right? That's what I'm saying. In a very respectful manner, but take it to them. Do not be afraid. Don't let the lie continue. Absolutely, Father. Well, thank you very much then for for traipsing through these uh, difficult waters with us. And once again, we just um, recommend to our uh, listeners and viewers to to follow the links in the description to the article where Father has other links, um, to follow the links to the ethical and religious directives, um, and uh, other other uh, materials which we will provide, and the HLI website, which has all sorts of resources on on these issues. Um, thank you so much for watching. Uh, thank you for being here, Father. You're uh, everyone uh, watching uh, our videos, please uh, follow us on uh, Rumble and YouTube. Um, uh, we'd maybe prefer at this time that you would uh, start migrating over to Rumble, um, as well as um, if you're listening on any of our audio platforms. Uh, continue to follow us and share us with your friends on Amazon, Spotify, etc. Thank you so much for watching and keep on living the culture of life. God bless. <laughs>